Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us and we hope you're encouraged by this message. So the title of our series is Seek First. And we talked uh, throughout the weeks about seeking God first and foremost, seeking his presence, seeking him as a person, seeking him with our priorities, with what we set our intentions with. And then today I'm going to be talking about seeking his will, seeking his will for our life, aligning ourselves with what he's saying, what he's doing, what he's calling us to, where he has us going. And as believers, we are invited to be active participants in our Christian walk. You guys know that? We are not called to be spectators or people who walk and live in passivity. We are called to be active participants in this walk and journey with God, which is an incredible privilege, right? And I think about, um, you know, the fact that God has given us free will. And free will is a beautiful thing, but it comes with responsibility on our part. Responsibility to walk in the ways of the Lord, to walk in paths of righteousness, and to live our lives, yes, knowing that we have free will to choose what we do, but ultimately it's unto submission and the leadership and the authority of our King, right? Of our Lordship, of Jesus Christ. And we're living in a day and age where it's everything is about self. Okay, we have self-care, self-help books, selfies, um, self-reflection, selfish, which all of those things except selfish is they're not inherently bad, but left on their own or if our lives come out of balance in that, we're actually walking out of step with the will of God because we're supposed to actually walk in union and communion with Christ. We're not meant to do this world by ourselves, okay? I think about my children and how it's, it's so much easier for me to do things for them. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever delegated something to someone and you're like, I know I could do that so much better? <laughs> like, and then someone comes after they've delegated and then they come and tell you that you did it wrong and you're like, well, why didn't you just do it yourself? <laughs> But I think about my kids and how the day that they all learned, except now I had a fourth, but the day my all of my three older kids learned how to buckle themselves in their car seat, that was like the best day of my life, let me tell you. Because climbing into the back, like I used to have to go in the trunk of my van to lean over the seats and buckle them up in their car seat. And the day they learned how to do that. But they didn't just learn by accident. I had to teach them. And let me tell you, there were some painful patient waiting moments of being, can I just... Here, let me, let me just do that. Let me do that. And I think about how it's so much easier for me to do things for my kids, but they'll never learn how to walk in a way of independence. They'll grow up in college not knowing how to put on their seatbelt, right? And it's the same in our walk with the Lord is there's, there's many times where um, it's easier for us to just get on with it, Right? Rather than asking the Holy Spirit, taking a moment saying, Lord, is this really where you're calling me? Is this really what you're doing? Is this really the way I'm supposed to go, the path I'm supposed to take? Because it's easier for us to just get on with it when we're not seeing it happen in the timing that we want it to, right? And so all we have an invitation to seek God and follow him and his will because His seeking his will is a pathway for us to live a purposeful life. 
Raise your hand if you want to live a life with purpose here on this earth. Amen. Look around. You guys are in good company. Come on. I love it. So all throughout scripture, we see the importance of seeking God's will, of seeking him. And it's emphasized over and over to us in the scripture. So I want to read today from Proverbs 3. If you'll turn with me, we're going to kind of dissect this verse together. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths or he will make your path straight. So the first part of this scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This echoes a consistent biblical theme of relying on God rather than your own human understanding or strength. Throughout the Bible, trust is, um, is the foundation of a relationship with the Lord. Even Even the secular world understands this with therapy and marriage counseling, things like that, is that the foundation bed of any relationship is trust. You can't build a relationship if you don't have trust. And I'm here to tell all of us today that we can't build on our relationship with God without trust in him. It has to be the foundation, the bedrock of our relationship where we start with him is trusting in him with all of our heart. Number two, do not lean on your own understanding. This is the the biblical principle of humility and dependence on God. That human understanding is finite, it's flawed, but God's ways are so much better God's ways are so much greater than anything we can comprehend. And acknowledging his wisdom leads us on a path of righteousness. Raise your hand if you're more analytical. That there are some of us in this room where we think first with our brains, right, rather than our hearts. And we think, is this logical? I don't really understand this, therefore it must not be right. And it's hard sometimes to wrap our brains around it because we think we know best. (laughs) But this is saying, lean not on your own understanding. Saying, remove that part. Lean not on your your thinking, on what you can understand, what you can comprehend, what you can um, logically legitimize, but lean on him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It acknowledges God's lordship in our life. In everything we do, we acknowledge him through obedience and through trust that he is the Lord of our lives. Amen? And he will make your path straight. See, this is the promise. There's, whenever there's, an, there's like an instruction for God, but there's always something that comes with it from him, a gift to us. And this is the promise of if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, if you lean not on, it, on your own understanding, if you acknowledge him, then the promise is, is that he will make your path straight. I want a straight path, anyone? <laughs> I don't want like a <laughs> lumpy, bumpy, through the mountains and over the hills kind of path. I want a straight path that leads to him where I can see him. The thing about a straight path is you can see, right? And what do we see at the end? We see him. We may not see the end of our circumstances. We may not see the end of our situation or be able to think it through, but we can see him. And that's really all that matters. And 
this promise is, it's a direct response to our trust and our acknowledgement in him. I love that. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, as believers, we have this um, distinct biblical worldview that is contrasting to the, the world around us. And when Paul wrote this, he was talking to a people that were polytheistic, that worship many gods. And this is what he's saying. He's saying to the believers, don't conform and look like the world. Don't conform and be like them, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And when I think about ourselves today, what does that mean and look like for us? We may not be worshiping other gods, but maybe conforming to the world looks like living a life of independence, living a life that doesn't need God, that doesn't really listen to him, that doesn't seek him, that, that thinks we've got it figured out on our own. Maybe it's looking out for number one, right? There's uh, similar teachings found in passages like James 4, verse 4, 1 John 2, 15, if you want to look them up, about warning us against conforming to worldly things. And this call to nonconformity, it's, it's implying a sense of holiness and set-apartness, set, set separation from the world. See, God is holy. God is set apart. And he's invited us through Jesus into that place of holiness and set-apartness. But that means we have to leave behind the world to enter into that place and that space with him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation, it comes from the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It involves a radical change on the inside of us as believers. See, it's radical to say, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm not going to trust in my bank account. I'm not going to trust in my boss. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm not going to trust in someone else fulfilling my, like someone someone else being the instrument that fulfills my destiny. I'm going to trust that God's going to fulfill that for me and through me, right? And with me. We have to renew our mind, which means replacing our thoughts and perspectives on God's truth and God's perspective. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Testing involves a process of spiritual maturity from us and discernment of us to be able to grow in our understanding of God's word, of his truth, what that means and what that looks like so that we can test what he's saying against his word and that we're, through the Holy Spirit, we're able to discern what his will is. We're able to hear and discern. And our ultimate goal is to align with his will, to discern what his will is so that we can align ourselves with that. We pray that often, but what does that really mean? God, align me with your will. Prayers like that are dangerous. Because <laughs> God's like, really? <laughs> and we're like, yes, Lord, align us. Align us with your will. Because we want what is good, acceptable, and perfect, right? God's standards of goodness and acceptability and perfection that's mentioned here is, it's not determined by worldly norms, but it's 
God's perfect and righteous standards. And we, we want to live in those perfect and righteous standards, but not from a place of striving, but from a place of wanting to be, align ourselves with him, from a place of wanting to look like him and act like him and be like him. So God has a sovereign plan, and his desire is for our well-being. All right? So what is the definition of, um, of God's sovereign plan? It's the sovereignty of God, or the sovereignty of God refers to his supreme and ultimate authority over all creation. It means that God is in control of all things and that his plan is sovereign, meaning it cannot be thwarted or overruled. Isaiah 46 verse 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. See, we often hold so many things in tension. The fact that God is 100% sovereign, and yet God has given us free will. It's like sometimes it's like hard to understand what that means or what that looks like. Is anyone here with me? Like we see all the time, we're like, why didn't God stop this from happening? We see tragedy on the news. We experience tragedy in our own lives. And it's hard to understand if God is sovereign, why didn't he stop that? And then we hear stories and testimonies of people who, you know, they were going to commit suicide and God stopped whatever they were about to do and it didn't happen multiple times. Or we hear stories and testimonies of people getting healed. Like a couple weeks ago, Aaron was sharing from the platform about how uh, someone in our church community, their father who we'd been walking like 18 months with this person believing for their father to be healed of a brain tumor gets completely healed. And then the next morning, we get a text that someone else in their community, their child, their one-year-old just died. Like, how do we hold these things in tension and not let our hearts grow bitter, bitter or callous towards God? See, it's understanding that he's sovereign, but he, he set the whole world in motion like nothing has surprised him. From the beginning of time, nothing took him by surprise. From the moment he said, let there be light, he knew that Adam and Eve were going to enter into sin. He knew that Judas was going to betray his son. He knew that his son was going to die. He knew that he was going to raise from the dead. And he knows every situation that has happened to you or is going to happen. And what I've realized over the years is that God is sovereign and God chooses to have these sovereign ordained moments when he pleases. And I'm not someone who is, none of us are in a place where we can choose to say to God, why didn't you do that then? But you did it for someone else. It's one of those mysteries that we'll probably never understand. But at the end of every moment like that, we can choose to say, God, you're good. God, I don't understand. And I want to free someone here in this room that feels like they can never question, they can never come to God with their questions. See, God isn't afraid of your questioning. God isn't afraid of your doubt. 
In fact, it brings us into closer intimacy with him when we're able to process truly how we really feel with him. And so I don't understand why he heals one and doesn't another. And I don't think I ever will understand that, but I choose to believe that it's all part of God's ultimate plan somewhere. And I know that he's going to redeem every situation and turn it for my good. See, his desire is for our well-being. And it, it goes beyond just the fact that he gave us breath in our lungs and that we get to exist. It's not, hey, I've given you the gift of life. You can now live this earth and you owe me because I let you live. It's not that. It's that his desire is that we would flourish in all aspects of our lives. I love um, at the conference, Bill Johnson preached this amazing message that really stuck with me. And after his wife, Benny, died um, about a year and a half ago, I remember him preaching his first sermon back. And he shared this story, too, at the conference. But when his, his wife of 49 years had been battling breast cancer, and when she took her last breath, he said the first thing that he did was raise his hands to the Lord and praise him that he is Jehovah Rapha, God, his healer. Just let that sink in for a moment. Your wife just died. And he's praising God, saying, you're still God, Jehovah Rapha. Because no matter what circumstance happens, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change his nature. It doesn't change his character. It doesn't change his name. He is who he is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He, he is before, like he was and is and is to come. He will never change. And, oh, and he said, he said this, he said, there is no death, there's no sickness, there's no disappointment or discouragement in eternity, right? Praise the Lord, hallelujah. But that means we have one, we only have one opportunity on this side of eternity to offer a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God in the midst of that disappointment. How beautiful is that? Think about that for a moment. We have one chance in one moment to turn our pain and our grief into praise to him because we won't get that opportunity when we get to heaven. That's powerful, and that hit me that I don't think at all that sickness is ever God's will, ever. That's not his will. But I know he's going to use what happened for good. He's going to turn it for our glory. Because I, for sure, I, I don't want to be a puppet to God. Does anyone else? Like, we want free will in the moments that please us, but then when we don't understand, we're questioning why he didn't intervene. And it's like, well, he's given us free will. When he gave all of creation over to Adam and Eve, he gave them authority over the earth. He's given us authority over this earth. But his whole plan has a big story of redemption through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit in us. And we're part of that. But his, and his will will always prevail. But it may not be in the timing of what it looks like. It may not be how it, it looks like. And this was one thing that really stuck to me as well a couple years ago when we, when we, were, rest, like we were dealing with questions and grief, surrounding grief and this sort of situation. And the conclusion that we came to was that resurrection life has been promised to us 
as believers, all of us. But we may not see it on this side of eternity. But it's still promised to us forevermore, right? So that's what we cling to, and that's the hope we cling to. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this confirms that God's heart is for our well-being because he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Romans 8, 28, um, for I turn all things together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. Guys, he's going to turn every situation for our good, for those who love him, and it's for our good and for his glory. Amen. Hmm. All right. So at the end of the day, we can look back at all we've gone through and we can still say, God, you're good. Even when I don't understand, I believe that you're good and I believe you're working in my midst and that you have a plan and I'm going to align myself with your plan and your will. So this requires trust in his sovereignty, faith in his goodness, that his intentions are for us, that they're rooted in love. And trust involves surrendering our understanding and control to God. It's an acknowledgement of our hearts to say, God, your ways are higher than mine. I surrender my way and I submit to your way, even if they don't align with my immediate expectations. That's really hard. (laughs) If you're someone in the room who's like a go-getter, like, personality just wants to go get it done, it's, it's really hard when it's not in the right timing. And it's really hard when it's not how we thought it was going to be. But while God's plan is sovereign, it requires, again, what I was saying, it requires active participation on our part to actively trust, obey him, acknowledge him in all our ways. That requires us to actively participate. So many people wait for God's will or plan to happen. And so many times I, you know, people will get prophetic words and they'll they'll talk about, well, I've had so many prophetic words over my life and I haven't seen them happen. And sometimes it's we might actually be missing out on the will of God because we've actively or passively sat back and allowed it to pass us by where God has actually invited us to say yes into the, the small things, right? Heidi Baker, who her and her husband, Rollin, they lead an amazing ministry in, um, in Southern Africa called Iris. And they, they lead and disciple about 10,000 churches across Southern Africa, and they feed thousands and thousands of children a day. And I spent six months there in Mozambique when I was um, 17 and 18. And... She said this, she said, I'm not where I am by accident. Like this, what God has given us and entrusted to us wasn't an accident. It was accumulation of all the little yeses that I said to God throughout my life. And I want that to hit you for a moment, that God has invited us into the small little yeses for us. He's, he's seeing if we're faithful with those. Can we say yes to the small whispers? Can we say yes when it's scary? Can we walk in obedience? Because it's God's plan and destiny and will for our life. Yes, while it, it may be huge, we'll probably wake up one day and be like, I'm, I'm living in my calling. And I didn't realize when it happened. I don't know how it happened, but I know that I just said yes to God each step of the way, 
Each little prompting, each little calling, I said yes to yes to it. And now look, I, I know I'm walking in my purpose. I know I'm walking in the will of God. So how can we be active participants in seeking his will? Well, firstly, prayer. Prayer is huge. Prayer is the communion and communication with God where we get to seek him, we seek his will, we listen, we talk, we listen, we reflect. And we, we seek his will for our life and his desires. We express our thoughts and our hopes and our dreams and we listen to what he has to say. Prayer acknowledges our dependency on him, that we are dependent on, on his wisdom, his direction, his intervention in our lives. And it's the humility that opens up our hearts to receive what he has to say in return. All throughout the Bible, we see people who, who sought guidance from the Lord through prayer. Jesus himself, he often would leave uh, the crowds and his disciples to go and pray and be with his father. And Jesus is good enough example for, for me to follow that. We also seek his will through discernment. So discernment, the definition of discernment is discernment involves the ability to distinguish and recognize God's will in the midst of choices and decisions. Have you ever had a decision that feels like too big to know what to do because you're invested emotionally in it? You're like, I can't see. I remember when we were, um, we came to a point in our relationship where we were like, we're either going to get engaged or break up because like, where's, are we headed somewhere or not, right? Anyone in this room knows where that is. Sometimes you feel so sure and then other times you're, you're struggling to hear from God and you're emotionally invested and so you want to know what's right. Um, I remember our part of our story, it was really cool. We kind of had one of those conversations, Aaron and I, and we said to the Lord the night before, it was a Saturday night, and we said, God, we need you to show us. Like, we're struggling to see. We need you to show us. I was sure. I should say Aaron was struggling to see. I didn't want to dishonor you, but... <laughs> See, sometimes saying, no, it's okay. Sometimes saying, it's not saying yes. It was saying no to all others. That was the hard part, right? Come on, men. We need godly men who will say yes, right? Come on, all the single ladies out there. All right. But we said, God, show us. We, we, wanna, like, we feel like we need someone else or some sign from you to confirm this. I was praying, God, please show him. <laughs> And the next morning, we come to church, and there was a guest speaker, and his name was Ken Gott, and he was preaching his message, and in the middle of his message, he stops, and he looks at Aaron and I on the front row, and he comes over to us, and he goes, synergy. He's like, you will do more together than you will ever do apart. And we were like, ah, God has spoken. (laughs) But it was confirming what I already knew in my heart, right? And Aaron didn't quite know yet. <laughs> but the, the prayer and the reflection allows us to test our decisions against God's word. Is this lining up with God's word? I'm able to discern if this is truth because I know the word of God and I hear his voice. We, we can't seek his will for our lives if we don't know his voice. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know how to hear God's voice, 
come and speak with someone on the ministry team. We'd love to, to walk you through how to steps, practical steps that you can take to, to learn to hear God's voice. But in order to walk in his will, we have to overcome obstacles in our lives. Some of the obstacles that we face in 2024 is materialism and the pursuit of possessions and accolades and things that can often distract us really from our calling and the will of God. We, as believers, we can, in the West, we put comfort as the goal of our Christian walk, and comfort was never meant to be the goal. We were never promised a comfortable life. In fact, we were told to leave everything, (laughs) follow him, give up late, like that money will, money is the root of all evil, that we need him over the things, the love of money, sorry, the love of money. Yes, you're right. We have constant comparison from social, like social settings and social culture and social media that distracts us from contentment and gratitude with the Lord and being thankful for where we're at, thankful for the season we're in, thankful for what we have. And then busyness and overcommitment to activities. I feel this more than ever. I have four children and they're in sports and they're in dance and, you know, activities and they're going to be in music. And I'm like, God, and then I have my job and my church and my friends. And it gets really hard sometimes to, through all of that, to to continue to seek God. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Is this still working? Where do I need to pull back? Where do I need to say no? Anyone else learning to say no here? that your no is as powerful as your yes, right? How do we overcome that? We, we cultivate contentment. We practice gratitude. We set boundaries with social media. We set boundaries with our calendars. We pray. We meditate on the Lord. We, we spend time with him. We have community support and accountability why I'm, I'm a huge advocate of, of uh, connect groups. If you're not plugged into a group, like that's your place to find people that want to love you, that want to come alongside of you, that want to pray into your life, that want to want to know what you're going through so they can pray and ask the Lord for wisdom on your behalf. Seek the support, guys. We have to overcome fear and doubt. That's a big one when it comes to what God, his will is, because if you're a control freak, it's really hard to let go. And it's really hard to overcome the fear and the doubt. See, fear and doubt, they on some level are normal human emotions that we face, but they're also tools that the enemy uses to weaponize against us. Remember, the, the fight that we face is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities. So we have to be actively pursuing Jesus, setting our eyes on Jesus, not the enemy, and rebuking the enemy when he comes in to try and steal, kill, and destroy us in our destiny and God's will for our life. Amen? We can't let, we're not victims. We're not victims to our circumstances, but we can rise up in the spirit And even if we're, like, you shift atmospheres. Come on, say that to someone. You shift atmospheres. Say it. You shift atmospheres. Come on. 
We need more people in the body of Christ knowing that, knowing their authority in him, walking in his ways, seeking his will. His will isn't for you to be riddled with debt. His will isn't for us to be afflicted by anxiety and depression and in a fog. His will is for us to be whole and healed and walking in his kingdom and bringing the miraculous wherever we go, all right? We're instruments of him. We're not tools in the hand of the enemy. We're tools in the hand of the king. Come on. There's people all through the Bible that overcome their fear and their doubt. And it's, to me, reading these stories in the scripture, it brings hope to me that these these people who were ordinary people, but they were in the hand, tools in the hands of God who said yes to him. We look at Moses who was so fearful of the calling that God gave to him to set free the Israelites from 430 years of captivity in Egypt. And through the Holy Spirit's reassurance to him and his trust in Moses and his guidance to him, he delivers the, Egypt, or the Israelites out of Egypt And he gives them, you know, he leads them through the wilderness and he goes to Mount Sinai and he gives the Ten Commandments and he's one of the greatest leaders in, in all of the Bible. And Queen Esther, I love her story too, how she overcomes her fear of coming before her king. Think about, like, that was preposterous to do as any person, but even a woman coming before a man like that in a way that broke all of the protocol and the traditions to come and plead her case to not annihilate her people when his second in command was saying, we need to do this. She overcame fear and doubt. Despite the danger, she chose to continue to do what God had called her to do. David, a young shepherd who overcomes Goliath, He faces Goliath with courage and strength and ends up having a victory for his people. But all of these people and us too, it requires us to have trust in God's perfect timing. Not in our own time. We are the the microwave generation, the instant gratification. Like I was just at Target yesterday in the drive-up, which I love. Thank you, Lord, for drive-up. I don't have to unbuckle all four kids and get them out. I just can go now and do even returns in the drive-thru. It's amazing. But I'm there and I'm waiting with Aaron. All the kids are in the back. We had a almost an hour drive to a friend's birthday party. And two minutes goes by and I'm like, where are they? Like I'm saying to Aaron, he's like, babe, they've only, it's only been two minutes. I'm like, no, they're usually so quick. Like I'm telling you, we're used to that. And my kids, they'll start to say things, well, <laughs> I'm like, I wonder where they learned it from, but they'll be like, what's taking so long with certain things? I try not to say things in front of my kids that they'll pick up on, but I always use it as an opportunity. I say to them, this is an opportunity for us to practice our patience. See how I use the word practice? Because we're all in process. <laughs> we're all practicing these things. We have to trust his timing, even when we don't see it, when it's not right on time, He's always right on time, all right? He is always right on time. And waiting, it cultivates patience and endurance in us. 
God uses situations to bring out, to refine us, things that need to be refined. And thank you, Antoine. Um, But patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there's his fruit. And so if you're needing more of something in your life, spend time with him, with the Spirit, because you'll walk more in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, David, when he was anointed as king by Samuel, it took years and years before he was actually appointed as king. Can you imagine that waiting process? Like someone just came to you and said, you're going to be king of Israel and I'm anointing you. And you're basically there waiting for like God to remove your predecessor or kill him or something. And you're waiting and the angst and the questioning that may have come of like, was that right? Was that God? Is this really going to happen? And so many of us have been in that place in this room where something, God has spoken something to us, whether just dropped it in our hearts or we feel it and we know it, or someone has spoken a prophetic word and we're in the waiting. And we're like, is this really God's will? But I want to say that if he says it, he's going to do it because his word doesn't return empty or void. It's yes and amen in him. So we have to trust and wait. We also have to lastly, or yeah, practice our obedience John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. James 1, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We have to commit to the Lord by walking in obedience in our daily lives. Obedience is the greatest worship that you could give to God. It's the greatest sacrifice of worship that you can give to him is saying, yes, Lord. When he asks you to do something, it's yes, Lord. I trust you, I surrender, and I'm saying yes to you. We pray over our kids every day. The end of their blessing is, I'm a blessing to others. And we tell them all the time, when you walk in obedience, it goes well with you and you will be blessed. And that's not to give them fear in their heart, but it's saying, like, you will be blessed when you do what you are asked, you know? And that's God's blessing to us too, is that we will be blessed. And obedience is not a burden, but it's a joy for us. It's a joy to submit to the leading and the lordship of of Jesus Christ in our lives, to walk in obedience. But we practice it. We're not great at it all the time. I certainly am not. There's so many moments where, how many of you in this room have ever felt something strongly in your heart to do or that God has asked you to do, but you really don't want to do it? (laughs) Yeah. I used to be so nervous to like, pray for someone in public, like back in the day, years ago. <laughs> Sometimes I, I hear that voice, but I'm like, you know, rushing somewhere and whatever. And this pastor down in Florida, he said that he, he always gives a 10-minute margin to everywhere he's going because he says, God finds you in the margins. And if you're busy and rushing from place to place, you're not going to have time to, to have a moment to listen to him maybe wanting you to pray over someone or for you to do something that he's asking you to do. So he says, find God in the margins. And so sometimes I, I call it like I'm pulling a Jonah, 
where like he's asked me to do something and I run the other direction out of fear. But we have two responses in moments like that. Obedience or disobedience. And there's a blessing in one. And there's, well, the enemy uses the other to heap shame, which is not good. (laughs) But it's saying yes to him. God, I want to say yes to your will. I want to align myself to your will, even if it scares me, even if I'm terrified of it, I want to grow, I want to practice, I want to learn. And lastly, I'm going to end with this. All of this requires being led by the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing in our own strength. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us, empowering us to do what he's called us to do. When Jesus left, And when Jesus told his disciples that he was leaving, he said, it's better that I go because if I do not, the helper will not come. Some translations say the comforter or the helper. This this also is the counselor. He's the guide. He brings comfort. He brings wisdom. And it's the indwelling of his presence. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. (laughs) And we can engage in regular communion with the Spirit inside of us. Praying, listening, being sensitive to his promptings, being sensitive to his callings, and living in submission to his leadership, to his leading. So, I want to invite you all to stand this morning. As I was preparing, I I felt like there was going to be a moment this morning of just surrendering to God, our plans, our will, and asking that he would show us his, his plans, his purposes, his calling for us. So I want to invite you for a moment to close your eyes with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Jesus. I want us to take a moment of self-reflection and get in tune for a moment of what are the things and the ways that we have that we have been living in fear and doubt and a place of distrust with the Lord over our lives, over our callings? Where have we allowed fear to creep in and discourage us? Or maybe you have felt the Holy Spirit convicting you this morning of areas where you've actually been living out of alignment with his will, and you know it and you feel it. there's something really easy that we can do together this morning, and that's just repent to the Lord. So you can say this with me if you want, or you can pray your own prayers, but Lord, I repent for any area where I have tried to figure out my own life, where I've not lived in submission to you, where I've let fear and doubt creep in. 
and where I've been living in my distrust. Would you forgive me this morning? And would you show me instead your calling, your will for my life? Would you help me live a surrendered life? Would you help me trust you? Would you help me seek your will? Thank you, Jesus. Just let that sink in for a moment. His peace, let it rest in your heart, his shalom on you. That his ways are higher than your ways. His plans are greater than anything we can even begin to dream or imagine. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to invite up our ministry team. And if there's anyone in this room where you feel like you need someone to pray with you and stand with you in agreement, with whether that's promises that have been spoken over your life and you haven't seen them come to pass yet or you need prayer to walk through pain that you're going through, I want to invite you to come and receive prayer this morning from our team. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.